my primary focus is from a piece in the Older Testament. But the New Testament verses there that are listed, Luke 2.40, 1 Corinthians 13.11, 2 Peter 3.17 and 18, are worth revisiting, maybe sometime even during the week. Uh, I put them in there because they provided, they have a similarity. Each one of those verses, one referring to Jesus, one referring to uh, the Apostle Paul's great chapter of love and his summary statement about what it means to be a maturing, growing person. And then the last one, which is found in Peter, you'll see there, these are the final words of Peter the Apostle. And it's interesting to me that his final words have to do with growth, that you may grow in the grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, the grace and the knowledge in the art and in the foundational truth, in the passion and life and the love, all the things that are captured in that word grace, at the same time in the knowledge base and the truth and the firm foundations of, of real things, that, that he's asking and inviting all of us to grow. And that leads to this piece, because I think we're at the beginning of a new year. And I know, okay, we're, now this is the eighth day of the new year. And it's because of the way that last weekend fell, it may feel like it's been the new year for a little while now, longer than normal. I love the new year because I think there's a whole movement of the culture that is, is pushing in a way, in a good way, in a good way us to think about our life. And it's often a time when we reassess things. It's often times where we make adjustments, we make resolutions. Um, sometimes we begin to prioritize in ways that we've been reluctant to do so because we're starting a new year. And it's weird, there's no real difference between the times and the minutes and the seconds, but it feels different. I think it's because of what it represents for so many of us. Here's the deal, I think that the, the way we enter into the year affects a lot of the outcome of the year. So the way, to, to whatever degree we can be intentional about how we enter into January, into the beginning of this year, 2012, whatever degree of intentionality we can bring into that, especially at a spiritual level, is gonna show up in our lives as the months play themselves out. And again, we can't predict a lot about what this year will bring. If anything we know about life is we don't know what's coming. We don't know what's coming in the big picture, we don't know what's coming in, in our own personal picture. And that's just the way it is. But you know what? We know that we are loved. And we know that God is calling us to places of expansion and improvement and health and wholeness. And he's not afraid of our flaws. And he invites us to be honest people who are willing to submit to him, yes, even our weakest places, so that he can bring life. We often talk about the wisdom of soaring with our strengths and trying to learn how to get a handle on our weaknesses. Well. One of the things the Lord wants to teach us is how to do that. Now, there's a great passage in the Bible. It's, to me, it has so much relevancy for what we're talking about. In, in the book of Samuel, which is an Old Testament book, and I know not everybody's familiar with Samuel. Samuel is, is a figure in the Older Testament. Some are. But Samuel was one of the great prophets of, of Israel. He emerged as a significant player in the movement of God for his people. And one of the things that Samuel ultimately does, for example, is Samuel becomes the prophet who ushers in and, and blesses the King David. And David becomes a king under Samuel's um, blessing. And there's this entire movement that becomes like the apex of, of the nation of Israel prior to Christ was David. And David is ushered in by Samuel. But it's interesting to look at what happened in Samuel's life because Samuel, when he was a boy, he kind of was a miracle child in, in the sense that his, his mother had been barren for a number of years and had prayed for God to give her a child and basically said, Lord, if you ever give me a child, uh, if you ever allow for this, my natural restrictions to be overcome, I want to give him back to you. 
And so Samuel, by his mother Hannah, which is a great story in and of itself, of a surrendered life, is given back to the, to the Lord. And the way she does it is she says, I want to I have him raised in the temple under the tutelage of, of a priest. And the priest's name was Eli. Eli, in many ways, is crossing paths with Samuel as a boy. Samuel's a boy. Eli is a much older, aged priest. When we come to this third chapter here, we're gonna, we, we need to understand, and I'm just going to give you a quick, quick summary here. This was one of the darker periods in Israel's history. You know why it was? It was because, not because of Eli, who had been a good man and a good priest, but he had not been a good father. He had some type of a weakness. And it's a reminder that we can be, we can be good in some areas and then we can, we can really struggle in some other ones. And he had two sons who had notoriously, they had become notorious for their uh, abuse of the priestly office. As a result, the entire nation was affected by the scandal of these two sons of Eli who were pretending to be the religious leaders when in reality there was such hypocrisy and even even self-centered interest and in wicked. In fact, look at the verse. I'm going to put this verse up. It it's, just gives you a quick reference. This is from the NLT. I love the way it puts it. It says, now the sons of Eli were scoundrels, interesting word, who had no respect for the Lord or for the duties of priests. Basically, they were just sifting it out. They were living off the people. And you know what the problem was? Not only was it a bother to God, not only was God significantly displeased about it, but the, pe the people had become so jaded because of what they saw at the level of spiritual leadership that they had rejected God as well. In other words, they were saying, well, these are the people that are leading it. I don't want anything to do with it. And so as a result of Eli's sons, the nation was in real trouble. Spiritually, it was a bad time. And into this situation, God does something new. He begins to move in the life of a young boy. His name is Samuel. Let's look at how it all begins. 1 Samuel 3, verses 1 through 10. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. And now in those days, the messages from the Lord were very rare <clears throat> and visions were quite uncommon. This is the Bible's way of saying that there are certain seasons in history where God's movements are more, this is fascinating, are more obvious than others. Where there is more of a dynamic of the supernatural than other seasons. This was a season where there wasn't much. The Bible says where, where it seemed like the waters we're not moving at all. It was into this situation that God comes to do something new. It says here that one night, Eli, who was almost blind, so he's at a point in his life where he's old, he's almost blind. Uh, by now, uh, he had gone to bed. He, uh, we're told here, look at verse 3, because it it's helpful in the sense that it gives us a context for what time it is, this is happening. Because it says the lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. What that is telling us, in the, in the temple, there was a lampstand, a golden lampstand. It had a golden candlestick. It had seven lamps on it. Those lamps had oil in them. When the oil burned out, uh, it, in the evening oil would burn out by morning time. So what it's telling us is that what takes place takes place somewhere between the evening time and the next morning, probably in the very early morning, somewhere between 2 or 5 a.m., this is happening. They're both sleeping. Something happens. Look at it. It says here, suddenly the Lord God called out, Samuel. There's a voice, an audible voice, to which he wakes up and says, yes. And Samuel replied, what is it? He thinks it's Eli. Look what he does. He got up and he runs to Eli and he says, here I am. What do you want? Did you call me? 
Eli, by this point, he's probably waking up too. He says, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. So he did. Then the Lord called out again, Samuel. And again, Samuel got up and he went to Eli. Here I am. What do you want? Did you call me? I didn't call you, my son. Quit wait. Go back to bed. Samuel did not yet know the Lord. This is a great verse too. He did not know the Lord because he had never heard a message from the Lord before. You know what that's saying? It's a great Old Testament verse that reminds us that we learn to live in relationship with God. There's a process of learning how to recognize the Lord in our lives. And part of the growth in our life with the Lord is learning how to recognize his words when they come to us. His Bible says that Samuel hadn't really experienced God's voice in his life. He had not yet learned to recognize it. Some of us have learned, it's, it, listen, the Lord is very real. God will speak to us. May not all, in my life, it's never been audible, but I've felt impressions and directions all the time, especially when I read his word. But one of the things I've come to realize is that it's very important always to suspect what I'm hearing and to be very careful about it because a lot of crazy things are done because people said God spoke to them. And so it's always important to remember that whenever we do sense that God is saying something to us, that it's never going to contradict his larger word. And two, there is the value of having other people in our lives who can challenge those things that we think the Lord might be saying in a good way so that we are less likely to go off course. We must always take into account our own capacity to get to misdiagnose or to mishear or to get our emotions involved or to read into things. At the same time, taking that into account, we should not be afraid of God's involvement in our life or of his words becoming a word to us. So that as we're reading something in God's word, all of a sudden, it's like the Lord is saying, I'm talking to you. And we begin, we're just, we begin to have the very thing that's going to happen right here. Look what happens. So this, Samuel doesn't know it. So this is the second time. So then look, it says, verse 8. So the Lord called a third time after he had been told, go back to bed. And once more Samuel got up and he went to Eli and he said, here I am. Did you call me? By this time, you, you, Eli goes, no. And then it says, Eli realized something. It says, Eli realized, I think I know what this is. Oh, I think this is the Lord. And he says, Samuel, listen to me. I want you to go back and I want you to lie down again. But this, listen, if someone calls again, don't run back to me. It's not me. But I think I know who it is. It doesn't happen barely ever. But I think it's happening to you. When you hear it, I want you to say, yeah, I want you to say this. Speak, Lord. Your servant, when the voice comes, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And so Samuel went back to bed, and the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. And what God ended up revealing, you can read this out later on your own time, God ends up talking to Samuel and telling him about things he's going to do, even in Eli's family, and about what God's about to, to let happen and about the calling in his life. And there's such great truth for us. Look, as we head into this new year, I would like us to just pull a few things out of this, sit with them, it won't be long, but I want us, I want us to embrace them for a moment. Can we look at, and here's the first one we'll put up there. It's what I'm calling the wisdom, the value, and we'll just stick this up right now, the value that often comes when we learn to recognize God's voice and having others help us do it. 
So we need, we need others to help us recognize God's voice. And what I'm, just like, you know, you look at this, you, this is exactly what happens with Samuel, right? I mean, he has Eli, and whatever Eli's deficiencies as a father were, he was a good and honest man, a kind man, who loved God, even in his old age, and he was good to Samuel. So when Samuel is in need of guidance, it is Eli who's able to provide it. He discerned what was happening, and he was able to tell him, this is what you should do when this happens. And he did it. And you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of the value of the generations, and the value of not isolating ourselves away from people at different places in terms of their, their generational place in our life. In other words, the value of age and youth mixing together. Hear me out. There is a wisdom that comes just in getting older, even if it's the wisdom of don't do that. Because <laughs> I'll tell you, and, and, and at a spiritual level, and I, so for some of it, there's just a value in natural age, but there's also, a, at a spiritual level, there was a value in having people in our lives who've been walking with the Lord for a little while. I can only tell you as someone who has been there in the early places of my life with the Lord, as a, as a young, much, much younger man, as a boy, really, how important it was to have people, some of whom were teachers, some of whom were, were youth leaders, some of whom were at, later on in my life, just good quality men and women who I admired not because they were perfect, because I never met a perfect person, ever. Especially not anyone close to us, because anyone gets close to us knows, we all know, none of us are there. But at the same time, I saw a lot of good people who genuinely loved God, and some of whom I really admired, because of their consistent life of goodness in God, and their faith that was unshakable, honest, and true, and inspired me. And oftentimes I find myself going to them when I had questioning places where I was trying to discern, is this God or do you think this is me? I think this is what I feel like the Lord is saying to me, but you know what? I, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't want to either like, be reckless and go do something that is not God. I'm just making it up. And I don't at the same time, if it is the Lord, I don't want to pull back because I'm afraid. Will you help me understand this? And the value of having people, especially who are older in the Lord, to be able to walk that through with so big, so important. You know, one of the things I love about our church, <clears throat> the way that it's been emerging these past few years, one, I've told this, so it's not the first time I've said it. I mean, I love the fact that God brings together, we're a multi-ethnic church. It just delights me. I just love it. I love the fact that we are also, we have so many different people from different socioeconomic places. We're not just a one thin layer. We've got a lot of people who are coming from different places, but we share a common love for Jesus. And then, of course, one of the other things that I've come to appreciate far more now is the mix of generations and the value. What I used to see is not such a big deal. I realize even more so means something. The value of having generations interact. The value of not just simply sequestering ourselves to only a niche of people. And I'm not saying, as you can tell by some of the ministries we're starting, that there isn't a time and a place for us to be with people who are more like us in terms of where we are in life. At the same time, that needs to be complemented with an ongoing interaction with people who are not exactly like us, who can speak things into us, who can draw things out of us, and vice versa. So, so those of us who are older need to really be, if we can think of it, young, those of us who are younger in the Lord need to really be looking for, and that's why we talk about small groups and ministry involvement, engaging in community so that there's this beautiful interaction of the generations that takes place, spiritually as well. At the same time, those of us who are, who are older need to make sure, and I mean it could be older in the Lord, need to make sure that we are also being very open to interactions. That we don't simply write ourselves, well, I did my time. 
I understand that people say, ah, listen, this, this, this is important that we are saying part of what God is doing is he wants to use me to help be a voice to someone, to help others clarify the voice of the Lord for their life. Out of the pain and out of the joy, out of the life that I have lived by the grace of God, I have something to offer, even if sometimes it's not that obvious. And I will be open to you, Lord, if you want to use me to do it. And I will take steps to make myself available. Secondly, here's the second piece that I would just throw out there again as we think about this year coming. It's going to require um, our willingness, if we can put it this way, to when he acknowledges our when when he calls our name to acknowledge it, so that and how can okay just stay with me on this one he will call our name when he calls his name one of the things that we notice here is that every God inspired growth transition begins with the Lord calling our name and what is the name the name means when he calls our name it's like God is saying I'm talking uniquely to you. And I think that in this time, God's talking in a big way to all of us as a community, but he also has things to say uniquely. He's calling us by name. And what is represented in that is he's boring into the personal. He's going to challenge. He has a word for us. That word may be for our personal life that nobody knows about. It may be about relationships that we have or our family. It may be a word for our family by name, a word that's going to affect our career path, a word that's going to affect um, our business, but he has words at seasons that if we are listening for and we're open to, it will change things. And usually those words are connected to the idea of ultimately benefiting others in his name. Thirdly, finally, is this. It's going to call also upon us to respond, to affirm, if you will, our willingness to respond. Think about this. Just stay with me on this. In, when Eli says to Samuel, he, okay, Samuel... This is what you need to say. He goes, tell it, when you hear that voice, when your name is called, say, speak, Lord, your servant is, and then he says, make sure you say that, is listening. Emphasize that you're open, that your, your heart and ears are attentive. But then notice what else he says, in the, just that phrase. Look at it from a different way. Instead of putting the emphasis on listening, I want to ask us to put the emphasis on something earlier. When he calls your name, say, speak, Lord. Here it is. Your servant is listening. Your servant is listening. What is that? What is he saying to do? Say at the front end, let him know who you are to him, that you are ready. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. What do you have to say to me? I am, it's, it's a statement of humility. It's a statement of my willingness to be responsive because a servant hears what the master says and responds. It's like not qualifying anything. This is who I am to you. I am open and ready and available. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. As we move into this year, and I'm convinced that we are going to have things that God's going to want to say to us as we move into this year. Some of us, you know, again, I was looking at, I was going, some of us, the Lord's trying to get us past our feelings of unworthiness because we've got stuff. And so maybe we feel like somehow we would be a hypocrite if we got involved. So I'm going to wait till I get to certain areas together. Then I'll get more involved. And some of us, that's how we feel about Jesus. It's like, well, I'm not good enough quite yet to come to him. So once I finish this up and, and kind of get better, then uh, I'll, I'll go apply. And it's like, come on. We never come to the Lord because we're good enough. We come to him because he's willing to receive whoever will come. If we keep waiting till we're good enough, we're never going to get there. The time to come is now. 
We come now, who we are, where we are, as honestly as we can. We say, Lord, if you're willing to use me, I am here. I'm open. Some of us, God's trying to get us to reevaluate our agendas. Because we've made, and again, I love it. A lot of us have made priorities out of things that aren't that important. And maybe this is the perfect time for us to reevaluate how we are structuring our life. Is our life really being structured around what we say is most important to us? I mean, are there adjustments that if we're listening, he is speaking our name and calling us to make? Are there areas of our lives that God's saying, enough living like that. I'm calling you to places of contending for increased purity so you don't have to feel hypocritical. I'm calling you to points of accountability. I'm calling you to live a countercultural life that's going to reflect the wholeness of God, the life of God, and the health of God in increasing ways. I'm going, to, I'm going to ask you to step beyond your own sense of inadequacy, weakness. I'm going to ask you to step forward and invest in things, to make commitments in ways you haven't made them before, to be open and honest, vulnerable, to grow, to get better. This is a growing time, a time, listen, this is a time for our church to be courageous. It's a time for some of us to step forward and be courageous. Courageous faith risks. God's calling some men and some women to be valiant and to step forward and to say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. I'm ready if you're willing, and he is willing. He loves us the way he wants us to grow. Think about it. Let's pray. Lord, I, I want to ask you to just uh, bless us as we head into this great adventure together. And it's going to be an adventure that we're making as a people. And There'll be some scary moments, but some real exciting ones along the way. I just pray at the same time, Lord, I, I just, I'm convinced of this, that you're also trying to not only do things in us as a people, but you're trying to do things in us specifically, that you are calling us by name, that there are things you're trying to say. Some of us, we, are, we, we need help to hear it. Others of us, we can hear it, and now it's just a question of will we be your servant? Will we do it? How open are we? Some of us, the word is coming strong. This is the time to make the adjustments. This is the time to set some things back in a place of health. This is the time to come clean and get better. This is the time to break out, be renewed. Time of new beginnings, second chances. Eli, in a way, had a second chance with Samuel. In the same way, Lord, some of us have a second chance, a new chance. We can't change what was, but we can sure do a lot about what will be. It's based a lot on the decisions we make today. And I just pray that we would think about this month in a unique way, that it's an opportunity for us these next few weeks to really begin to set some things in place, to step into some things that maybe we've been reluctant to do so, just to be open to being a, uh, a life giver in your name. And we ask for your blessing, your goodness, and your grace. And Lord, you know, not only do we ask for your blessing over these closing minutes, our time of giving, yes, but also on the song, because it's kind of an ending prayer of surrender to you that reaffirms your goodness and love for us and yet at the same time reminds us that you're calling us to step forward in faith. Help us to not be afraid and not focus on things that don't matter. Remind us of what's really important, really important. At the end of the day, what really matters. Increase our faith. Speak, Lord, your servants listen. In Jesus' name, amen.